0: The Jewish Divorce Project,
1: because marriage doesn't always work out, and chicken soup doesn't always help. Mm-hmm.
0: Different stages, so it's good. These are good.
1: That's right. That's right.
0: So today we're going to talk about dating, Noam?
1: Yeah, I guess so. We're going to talk about dating, whether I like it or not.
0: <laughs> uh, I think we were due for a good, salacious, juicy podcast.
1: As I show up dressed like a schlub for a well, that's
0: the good thing about podcasting.
1: That's right. Yeah. Have you done video dating?
0: Not as a first date.
1: <laughs> no? You're not screening people?
0: I've never done, I, I feel like I never learned my lesson when I, when I go on dates and I miss the mark. And I think next time I'm gonna just spend more time on the phone or I'm gonna video call. And then I don't have patience or time for that. And I'm just much more of a visual interactive person. And I'm like, I'll just go out. And then I go out and I'm like, I should have video dated this one first.
1: <laughs> what kind of dates are they? Are, they, are you going for drinks? In the COVID world, how are you dating?
0: In the COVID world, I'm not really dating. Um, I don't have much time for it. I've gone on a few that was like in the beginning. Um, Not in the beginning, but in still where people were far more restrictive. And it was kind of just a socially distanced walk.
1: I've been
0: on I haven't done a video one. Yeah, that's uh, that's it.
1: Socially distanced walks are the only real safe ones that you can do, and still. Yeah, play. that's
0: what my mother always told me.
1: Right.
0: <laughs> She's been encouraging socially distance walking as a dating for a long time.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's been the original path. Yeah.
0: Your- the isn't that my just- mom has been all over COVID precautions since uh, since the nineties. <laughs> this is her dream come true. <laughs>
1: But pre-COVID, when you were dating, that must have been very different from when you dated earlier in your life.
0: Um, it was incredibly different when I was, I, I got divorced in my early 30s. I had previously grown up as an Orthodox Jew, so um, I wasn't that, it wasn't that type where I met somebody in the living room, you know, and everything was preconditioned and we just had to kind of nod yes or no and it was go ahead or it wasn't. <laughs> you know, there, there was a lot of, it was the, the modern version of that, um, which is really interesting.
1: Does that involve cell phones?
0: I didn't have a cell phone back then. I got my first cell phone when I was pregnant with my first child. What year was this? Um,
1: what year was the dating?
0: The dating was in the oh god, like early 2000s.
1: Cell phones are really just kind of getting popularized.
0: Yeah, I, I remember getting a cell phone when I was pregnant. So I, there wasn't really any of this texting or anything like that. And there was certainly no app. So it was mostly I was set up with people through a shotgun, or maybe a mutual friend, or maybe meet somebody somewhere, but that was pretty scandalous if I met him on my own. Mm-hmm. And um, supposed to be no touching. So how would you
1: both <laughs> arrange that? Like how would you, if it was so scandalous to meet someone on your own, the le- what would be the length you would have to take to actually meet up with someone? Is that like a matter of passing small notes?
0: I mean, it like depends circumstantial. Where? Where are we meeting? They have single events, so though, so I think I went to a few single events. you You definitely could meet someone on your own, but you circumvented the process of all of the investigation and the research of the family. So it just made it harder of, is he a qualified human for my parents to, to to gauge and judge whereas if it went through the right channels they could see what his family was like and you know his upbringing and if he wore the proper clothing and all of the important things that were very important back then i remember it's very funny i was considered out of the box because i was a little bit different and i pushed the boundaries so every shidduch that was recommended to me was if it was yeshiva guy who played guitar like that was considered out of the box if he played an instrument it was like i've got a great guy for you he's so different he's crazy he plays yeah so for a while there was a lot of guitar playing um prospects
1: sometimes he drinks from the soda bottle (laughs) crazy oh man living on the edge damn
0: we we were living on the edge and then i married a guitar player (laughs)
1: yeah, and the, 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 <laughs> it
0: worked. They were right. I was looking I for someone
1: to play guitar. Always the cute ones, anyway, in the Jewish community. That was the epitome of being a rock star when I was a kid, too. If you played a musical instrument, you were a
0: god. Right. Wow. So, amazing. So I was. I was suggested to all the musicians. So, but so for me, my dating now post divorce is quite significantly different than from before. Sure. How about for you?
1: Oh yeah. Well, just the way it feels. And the fact that I have kids, I'm far you're less- Do you bring them dates? About Cause that
0: could be awkward. I mean,
1: <laughs> I'm definitely not bringing them on dates. A larger question is, you know, when do you introduce
0: mm-hmm. the
1: person that you are dating uh, to them? My kids have certainly asked about it. They've asked if you're dating. I don't really think they understand like what that whole thing is, but I think their understanding is that like, they want me to be dating. At least that's what it is. They think I should be dating. I don't know what the real impact on them would be. I mean, I think that's a real kind of slow burn question. I was just talking about that. I was just talking about that last night with someone on the phone. When do you introduce your children to the people that you're um, dating? Uh, and she wasn't even sure about that, but there's like this weird balance that you have to walk, which is, you know, like if your kids are a priority and then the person that you're dating also becomes a priority, how do you make that work so that they both feel validated? and? does it kind of just put you in a position where you would naturally want to bring everyone together just for convenience sake? Um, and how do you maintain those boundaries safely? Right. How do you, because it's really the kids that you're talking about, those are the ones you want to be most protective. Like the adults are one thing. They'll fucking figure it out if it doesn't work, but the kids are the ones that you don't want to impact so much because for them, it's not like, like they're talking about like you, being married again, that's their idea of it. They don't get like dating is a, maybe a periodic thing, right? Um, and so for them, it's like, is this person coming into our life? And yes, we expect this person to come into our life and not necessarily leave. And if you think there's already a grieving process just in the dating scene for the person who's dating, there would certainly be one I think for the kids.
0: Right. I think there's a lot of circumstances and variables that matter. Most importantly, how long after the divorce we're talking. And I think that the waiting period should be longer, the closer you are to the divorce. So as you move away from that, you can kind of shorten the waiting period a little bit. And this requires a lot of um, self-awareness on the part of the parents of where your kids are at in terms of the adjustment I think it's very traumatic, and I think there should be a bottom line of not less than six months or something significant to introduce a kids. Period. <laughs> yeah, well, it's, and then it's, and then bad it's bad how bad serious bad. are you? Right. I think this carousel of people coming in and out of their lives, somebody significant, you know, and usually when you bring somebody into your family, they tr- they're on their best behavior, so they're very attentive to your kids, at least initially, and they are, they want to be loved and accepted so the kids kind of get attached to that if they like the person and then and then and then that person can be gone and that doesn't mean that that doesn't happen you know you can't control and you're not going to marry necessarily that person but being conscientious to not let that happen too often i think can have some some negative effects
1: and let's also be perfectly clear i don't know if i necessarily want the person that i'd be dating to meet my kids just yet because I wouldn't want that person necessarily you to You want get-
0: your relationship I, to be I'm more hard. on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> like when That's you funny. love me, like when you love me without question, then you can meet my kids. <laughs> Let's make sure
1: this is unconditional because once we go here, there may not be going any going back. And you have to like what you see behind this door. <laughs> because it's a lot of punches to the groin. <laughs> Let me tell you that. It's a lot of stepping on Legos in the middle of the night that have been left just willy-nilly around. It's a lot of dealing with, and I'm sure with other kids too, you deal with a lot of just like harsh emotions <laughs> and dealing with big emotions. But like it's, oh man, it bounces off the walls.
0: Will you date people without kids?
1: I think for me, the 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 boundary is really, have they been through divorce? Like that to me is something I think that's becoming more and more important just in terms of perspective. I think- And you don't
0: think parenting is a perspective that is the big one
1: yes but i think i mean i I could easily meet someone who's a teacher and doesn't have kids and teaching i think is a profession that leads very well into parenting and is you know we often particularly in the jewish tradition talk about teaching and parenting being synonymous with one another and interchangeable Uh, but again i would want to be even more i think aware of how they interacted with my kids not having any of their own. I mean, I feel at least better dating someone who does have kids, young kids, because they know how crazy young kids can be. And therefore, when I let them behind that door, they'll be able to adjust to my crazy kids, right? If that's not anything that anyone has really encountered before personally, right? And been faced with the idea of, this is what my life is going to be. And I'm not necessarily saying from the perspective of being a mother, by even a long shot to these boys, but at least a parental figure, right? Cause that's easily what they are when they step into the role of or step. Or just
0: a role model. Yeah. Cause it depends on your, your boy's age at the time that this happens, that they're, I don't know how much of a parental figure they should be rather than your partner and a positive role model for them.
1: I feel for the person who comes into a relationship when there are already children there.
0: If you mean, if they don't have their own children?
1: Yes, I'd for them. Because they don't have their own children, so maybe they don't know what it's like to actually be in that parental figure position, but they're also dealing potentially with other, you know, ex-husbands or ex-wives that are resentful of that and, you know, could be dealing with that. And then their kids are always, that's always the kind of the stereotypical thing you see is the strained relationship between the step-parent and the child. Right, and the child taking a long time to accept the fact that the step parent is there and the step parent trying to work hard to win the the, the child's favor.
0: I'll be honest, one of the hardest things when I was still married and considering a divorce, I think the biggest factor that kept me in the marriage was my fear about a stepmom coming into the picture. And my kids having this other variable that I had no control over what kind of a woman mother figure would she be for them and they were younger at that point and it gave me so much anxiety that i'm like i can't even risk it i need to stay in this marriage i can't risk that i think that it's it's very scary
1: what is that about for you do you mind if i ask
0: two things if full honesty at that point in my life and it's very different now we're quite a few years away from that but there was two things one what if he choose what if he makes a bad choice what if she's abusive what if she's neglectful what if she's mean what if she has her own kids and there's issues there what if there's abuse so there was a lot of that and then there was that fear of what if she's better than me (laughs) what if she's a better mom what if she gives them all the things that i'm really bad at so i had those two very much opposite and opposing fears but they were both very real to me
1: There's survivalist fears like survival the health and wellness of your children and then also like the health and wellness of your position as their mother
0: yeah i i really I really spent time working on this concept of hope, assuming that he marries or is with somebody who's kind, right, I, I cannot control if, if she's abusive or not, or not kind, but somebody that's a good person, that the more that there's, there's more people in my children's life to love them and give them support. And that it doesn't take away from who I am as a mom or my abilities as a mother or my love for them and their love for me, that it's, it doesn't uh, threaten my relationship. It just adds to the experience of them having loving people in their life. And that's not an easy pill to swallow. (laughs) It wasn't.
1: That's very tough. That takes a lot of humility.
0: Yeah, I spend a lot of time on that.
1: And when you think about it, it puts the whole kind of like dating and sexual health and Covid, all in real perspective. So that's a wonderful thing. Thanks for that. Great. Wait, how so? <laughs> well, i just saying, like you know, there are bigger things to worry about, right? Like, the other person sure. could be a better parent than you.
0: <laughs> that's right. So
1: if that's it's what you focus on, on. That don't worry about STIs or anything like that
0: yeah really get in touch with your deep-seated fears and anxieties about who you are as a person and as a parent that's really what you should focus on
1: take all those into the dates that you go on and break yeah. them up. speak freely about them with the people that you're meeting for the first time let them know <laughs> about all your baggage that you're carrying
0: yeah well when guys find out what i do for a living that is their first question all the time are you going to analyze me are you analyzing me right now i'm not that. an analyst but i am judging
1: (laughs) the women that i've been out on dates with who are therapists i've asked that question right
0: yeah yeah there's always that so how long after your divorce did you until you started dating
1: um relatively quickly i would think i mean um the end of the year was coming and so um there just wasn't you know a lot of time to kind of like fit things in between transitions from where i was staying to where i was going to be living and it just made things difficult but still put myself out there you know i took out a profile on bumble and tried from there and just you know wore my thumb out swiping i think like a lot of people do and just went into it from there and Then I went on to another dating app and then another dating app and then I was like this is way too many I can't deal with all this I realized that my screen time on my phone was going up considerably and there was also just um not a lot of it happening because of the pandemic too so like things slowed down there were a lot of actually really good conversations which was really wonderful it gave me a much better sense of what I was looking for what felt right to me and there were some dates too, um you know, but mostly walking, really? because that's the only thing you kind of like
0: a good Jewish boy. Kind of thing that
1: you feel safe doing. I also don't you know there have there have been a couple restaurant dates as well. you know, but also, you know, you realize that within this framework that like you, you have to be you have to be wise financially about these things because there's not a lot of money to go around anyway. so like, the best type of date is probably really something that's just very casual. Like you can go to Starbucks and maybe treat someone to a cup of coffee or something like that and go for a walk. And that's perfect for a first date. And it probably shouldn't be any longer than an hour. That's it.
0: So now in retrospect, looking back, do you think you started dating too soon or do you think that was the right time?
1: No, I think that was the right time, especially since things have kind of slowed down now. I, I, I will say that you know, it's taken me time to realize Kind of think about what i wanted and what i'm looking for which has been really good too like kind of the slowness of this period has given me time to just think about different things in that way
0: so i started dating right after my divorce also and i thought i was going to be super ready because the transition toward at the end of the marriage and into the divorce was very long and it felt like i hadn't been married for so long even though i was married so i thought I'm done. I'm fine. you know i'm i've I've done all the work I need to do in the past few years, and I was wrong. <laughs> and I was on a I just it was like a different I don't even think I went on a second date for six months because I was not interested. It was first dates. I wanted to get dressed up. I wanted to look good. I wanted to flirt. I wanted to get attention. I wanted to get out of the house. That was entirely what it was. At one point i thought i should make cue cards because i'm just answering the same questions over and over again because it's a different guy all the time and um and then and then i took a break i think i went away for the summer i think i did one of my things um and when i came back that's when i said I'm gonna take a nice a nice long break that's when i got into dancing i started doing my dancing thing and then i started dating that's when um you know any relationships that i had happened after that period i for sure was not ready for anything at that initial time but it could be that it was an important stepping stone of just getting into the scene and learning so much about myself and dating and um and sexuality so like you know i got married young virgin sex for the first time with my husband at the time now i'm in my 30s (laughs) divorced alone single what's my sexual identity, what are my boundaries, what am I comfortable with, Um, you know, what's the timeline. I had no idea any of those things and that was a learning process for me to discover all of those parts.
1: It's interesting because something that you bring up, the idea of knowing about your sexual interests and just having that knowledge about yourself and also the idea of love language are present now in my dating experience and they, it's like they weren't even existent when I was younger and before dating for marriage. Those are really kind of important things in communication in the relationships that I found now, right? In knowing who you're looking for and knowing who's a good match for you in knowing what you want, what you expect from them and also what they expect from you. Those are huge like game changers. And I just don't think we, you know, like just immature in dating at the time and not knowing those things. And knowing those things now, it feels like a completely different experience to be honest with you. There's much more confidence involved, that's for sure.
0: Do you think that's a function of age that you're just older or of your experience?
1: Yes. Yes, and I mean, I think, yeah, it's a function of being older and being more confident in myself, right? Having gone through experiences and knowing what I'm made of, but in the sense of being able to articulate it and being able to share that feels like An extra level of maturity that I bring to the process because I don't think other people are that capable of articulating that or communicating that in ways. Emotional intelligence is a is a really big commodity, I think, in the dating scene. So should we tell people something (laughs) Our secret. secret. (laughs) Podcast was the brainchild of a dating matchup between the two of us.
0: That's right. So Noam and I met on a dating app. And it very quickly. So you say that you've done some really great networking on dating apps. I haven't really networked. This was the first time that I decided to, you know what? This might be a good business and professional um, connection. And let's see where it goes with that. Like a lot of the things that I was looking for, for creating this podcast, you fit the bill. And I'm like, let's move it. And then we had our zoom and it was like, is this a date or or a business meeting?
1: It was really creative. I mean, it was probably one of the more creative dates I've ever been on.
0: Right? See, multifunctional dating. <laughs> I'm telling you there's something there.
1: <laughs> yeah, but it's it's been like you have conversations with people and then you realize that there's no connection that's been a a wonderful thing for me to develop is like a spidey sense about it. Like, do I really feel like there's going to be any good conversation with this person and I'm going to be able to get to know them on a deeper level in that way? And if not, it's not going to work. But the funny part about it is in the whole kind of getting to know you and sharing process, you let them know what you do and what your ambitions are along the way. And then they say things like, but let me offer you this type of guidance. It's it's been really interesting that Uh, It's just kind of naturally led to um, have you thought about this form of marketing or have you uh, considered, um, you know, expressing yourself this way uh, in uh, what you're trying to offer people. Um, It's been really fascinating that it's just kind of led to that. It's been a nice kind of shift. It changes the scene as well because it's like, all right, maybe it doesn't work out on a date, but maybe I get some great professional mentorship out of it.
0: Do you you have any... Um, I can't think of the word, but when you see a profile and it's immediate no, do you have any immediate no's about a way a profile is presented, a specific type of picture or statement in a profile that it's an immediate swipe left?
1: I'm wary of um, pictures that are really revealing. I see mm-hmm. a, a lot of um, cleavage shots and, it's, and cleavage shots, Necessarily aren't a red flag because I think that's kind of the way women's fashions is designed in some way. Um, But I do see a lot of bikini shots. And I just wonder what that's about. Like I get like it's about look at me right and look how beautiful I am because you can clearly see that. Um, Maybe that's just me and my also kind of like puritanical instincts about promoting the body. I, I don't have any shirtless pictures on my profiles. And so, some of the profiles that I read from women say that they're not interested in guys and their shirtless pics. I've certainly heard horror stories from women uh, about how it can be really dangerous on the app scene that men can be just absolute leches. Uh, that how like- How does
0: that then just block them or delete them?
1: Well, I think they do, but they, it's really unsuspecting that like the first thing that they ask for are, are nude pictures or something like that. So, uh, I, I think that's just it. I mean, I don't necessarily have a problem with the bikini pics, but like, if there are a lot of them, like more than one, I wonder about that. Because
0: hmm. I've seen
1: multiple profiles where the women are in clothes and doing things and, you know.
0: Yeah, I feel like I should offer my services as a profile consultant. Now having been swiping for many a year, I have some And and it's all my personal preference. I recognize that. But there are some huge no-nos for me right away, first of all. So here's my advice to those of you listening. Maybe give some advice from what you think women should or should not include in their profile. I think your head, your, your main profile picture should not have you in a group. You are talking about a society that is quickly swiping. And if you takes more than, people don't want to work too hard. So if I need to figure out who you are in the profile, I don't have time or patience for that. So try not to include any pictures of you in a group because I can't figure out who you are unless there's a circle and an arrow pointing specifically to which one you are.
1: I've seen several profiles where there are two girls in every pic. And it's the same two girls.
0: Right? <laughs> See, that's an immediate swipe left. I'm also with, you No shirtless selfies to me. It just, I mean, if that's your thing, that's your thing. Depends what you're looking for. That's not my vibe. Here are some words. And I tend to find that the things that people are adamant about and profess are actually the opposite of what's actually true. So when they say something that they're looking for specifically, usually they're actually looking for the opposite. Um, it's hard to get into specifics about that, but you got to trust me on that. I don't like okay. it. wait. Hey, here's, here's.
1: What? I like the Animochi stuff that people, like the cat eyes or like the cat ears and they put all this stuff on their face. Give me a break.
0: So my personal no-nos are if you write YOLO in your profile, um, if you are looking for a princess, I'm not a princess, and a partner in crime. Guys, PSA. Crime is better committed alone, okay? When you have a partner, you're a way <laughs> more likely to get caught. Watch some crime movies. Why are people constantly looking for partners in crime? Marriage, dating, relationships, they're not criminal activities. I get so bothered by this partner in crime. Be a little bit more original. And my big PSA, oh, this is my like podium, is sarcasm is not a good thing. People confuse sarcasm with humor. Sarcasm is humor at the expense of somebody else. And people are looking for, they say sarcasm, you know how many times I've seen sarcasm as people's love language, and that they're looking for people who are sarcastic. Every
1: other female profile I've seen is fluent in sarcasm.
0: That's not a good thing. For a world
1: traveler, fluent in sarcasm.
0: That's my, that is one of my triggers. Sarcasm is just not a good thing. You can say you're funny or humorous or witty but sarcasm is at the expense of somebody else. It's, a, it's just a way of putting somebody else down while you sound funny and intelligent. That's what sarcasm is. So well, people.
1: Speaking of profiles, do you think being a mom makes you more attractive or less attractive?
0: Oh my gosh, this is funny. So in the beginning, I was very hesitant to write that I had kids because I think it's, a deterrent to people, right? Who wants, and I have three and I'm, and I'm dating in the secular world also. So it's, it wasn't I I didn't care. And so, but I, but I'm very on. I would never go out with anybody without um, saying that I have kids, but I didn't know if it had to be something on my profile when you're first attracting somebody. So I I always put on my profile because to me, it's what's the point, you know, I, I'm not looking to dupe anybody and then go on a date and be like, surprise, there's three kids in the mix. But At one point, I wanted to do an experiment and I decided I didn't have a Tinder account. I was on Bumble, I was on J Swipe, I was on J Date. And just a side note, I don't know if it's still like this, but when I first went on J Date, when you make your profile and you um, have to say if you have kids or not, so it says one, two, three, or more. (laughs) It's like, sorry, we can't help you at this point if you. There's a difference between seven kids and three kids. I only have three. It's like J-Swipe, J-Date gave up. And they're they're like, we can't help you at this point. If it's three or more, you're kind of on your own. You guys are all in the category. (laughs) I don't know if they've changed that. But anyway, I decided I'm going to go on Tinder and make a profile and not talk about my kids, not put my kids on and not say that I have kids and see if it makes a difference with the way I was engaging with people. And so I matched with this guy and we go on a date and... We go out and we're, we're at, um, it was like a bar. We were having drinks, we we're sitting at the table. And I completely forgot to fill in my backstory because if I didn't have three kids, what the hell was I doing for the last 15 years of my life? And so I had no story prepared. And so he's talking, he's asking me all these questions in my mind. I'm like, oh my God, I have nothing to say. I don't, what was my life if I don't have kids? And then I thought quickly, okay, I have to at least have one kid. And then I'm thinking, which kid do I choose? How do i choose which kid that i have and so that was a really messed up process of how to choose which kid was in existence and i chose one i chose one that made the most sense and then i thought this is absolutely not worth it <laughs> and uh, i never did that again it was a failed experiment wow. my life has kids that was it and then after that it was kind of that.
1: geez that's gonna come back to haunt you at some place
0: well she doesn't know unless she listens well oh <laughs> I have two girls. They don't know which one it is. Uh, which which daughter I chose.
1: Have you had a first pancake?
0: Well, why don't you explain what a first pancake is?
1: So apparently the the uh, the definition of urban dictionary is a first pancake is a, a first child um who is apparently uh, every first child in every family is a first pancake because they never got their needs totally met. And so therefore they are screwed up <laughs> in some way. Uh, and so the idea of the first pancake also applies to the dating world in the sense that the first kind of relationship that you get into post-divorce, uh, particularly if there isn't a lot of time in between your divorce and when you get into that relationship, uh, turns out to be a first pancake uh, beca- <laughs> because neither one of you or you in particular just aren't ready to be on the dating scene. You don't know yourself and it comes out like a first pancake, which you think you know, it's going to look great because it's a pancake. And then, you know, you don't really know when you're supposed to turn it over, but it gets burnt. So you screw it up and you have to end up tossing it out. So if you had a first pancake,
0: I don't, I don't think I had a first pancake because I said, I did it kind of in these segments where I kind of got that initial rush of dating out of my system. Sure. Then I took a long break. I did a lot of introspective type of stuff. I really focused on myself and my self-care and and my mental health and really addressing some of the things. And then when I came back, I I guess my first, my my first relationship was, was very long distance. I don't think we, either of us thought it was going to be forever, (laughs) but so it, it failed. It didn't work. We're not together anymore. Uh, And it wasn't that long. I wouldn't call it a failure though. It was, it was an interesting experience where we both were in our lives at the point. Yeah. How about you?
1: I think I'm in the same boat in the sense that, you know, going into the dating scene, uh, you know, even at this slow pace has kind of given me a chance to work things out. And certainly being in therapy and being in a men's group have given me a chance to kind of work some things out and, and share some stories and reflect on things with, uh, you know, trusted people. So, you know, I don't think I've had like a a first pancake experience, but I think I've certainly kind of worked through some of the things that would, you know, cause a first pancake. I certainly hope so.
0: What would cause a first pancake? Well, I
1: think not really knowing yourself and not having, you know, if you needed to mourn your divorce, right? Have you mourned it and have you seen it in perspective and moved on and come to understand yourself in some ways? And have you been able to take accountability for the things that, you know, you brought you know, to your marriage that caused it to fail? And can you see that in yourself? And can you see also maybe problematic traits in the new people that you're dating, right? That you didn't see in your ex and being aware of those things, right? That's what I think it also means to be ready to be on the dating scene is can you find yourself in a healthy relationship? So if you yourself are ready, right? Are you then capable of finding some place that is ready to have you and capable of having you? And if you can't see that, Mm -hmm. And maybe you're not ready yet either.
0: Do you have a deal breaker or deal breakers that absolutely must be or not be?
1: I think at this at this point. I'll take
0: anyone. The-
1: <laughs> who's an asshole?
0: No assholes. That's a good deal breaker. No
1: assholes. Let's start with that.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's a good starting point. I would I would recommend you build on that.
1: I'll start with that. I think that's a fertile ground though. What about you? What are your deal breakers?
0: Oh, I've got so many deal breakers. I'm quite, quite, um, particular and I've honed it over the last, the last few years. And a lot of it is what is generally accepted, what I think are make good partners and good relationship partners. And then also just what I personally need, um, one is somebody who's happy and takes it and just appreciates life, is passionate about life, is aware of their skills, uses their skills, has that, that passion and excitement for life. That's a that's a big one for me. And another one, which is very hard to find, is curiosity. And if you are listening and dating, I recommend that this is a that this be a skill you hone and sharpen of how to be present, how to listen well, how to ask good questions to show that you're interested. I am shocked and appalled so often when I go on dates and how guys don't ask questions. They just, um, there's no, you know, that's just a way to show interest, even if you don't want to be with that person forever. And even if you don't want another date, the person sitting across from you likely has an interesting story and you can have a nice hour. And if you just learn how to engage in conversation and ask good questions and be curious about who they are. And I find that to be rare but that's important to me because I like to talk. (laughs) So I need somebody to ask me questions.
1: Conversation is crucial. You can't get past a conversation on a first date. It's not gonna go much further than that anywhere else.
0: Have you ever had a total bomb of a first date?
1: Oh, sure, yeah.